Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I believe so wholeheartedly in who he is as a quarterback. Um, I believe in his abilities. I believe in his arm strength. I believe in his accuracy. I believe in his decision-making. But beyond that, I know he's going to make everyone else that much better. Matt Rule, Panthers head coach, talking about Teddy Bridgewater, who comes in at number 29 on the Chris Sims Top 40 quarterback countdown. An amazing development when we consider what happened in 2016, late August. The news came out of nowhere. It was a bolt from the blue. It was a walkthrough. Quarterbacks never get hit anyway. Quarterbacks rarely get injured in practice. Nobody goes near them. I remember there was a time where the Buccaneers and the Patriots had joint practices, and Adrian Claiborne got around the edge and hit Tom Brady's left knee, and there was a concern for a few hours that he had torn his ACL again. That, that's, that's the only time something like that's supposed to happen. Teddy Bridgewater, non-contact, completely imploded his knee. I never thought he would play again. I never thought the knee would completely heal. And here he is now getting $22 million per year to be the starting quarterback of the Carolina Panthers after a successful run as the backup to Drew Brees in New Orleans, coming in at number 29, Chris. Really an amazing development. Good for Teddy Bridgewater. And, and, I, and I want to see now what he can be now right. that he's getting that chance. Four years removed from when he was supposed to blossom with the Vikings. Four years later, what can he do? Yeah, well, there, there's there's a lot to like about Teddy Bridgewater. And, you know, the first thing is, Mike, I'm glad you bring it up. I mean, the 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 comeback story of Teddy Bridgewater is amazing. And it's a, you know, a tribute to him, to what kind of guy he is. You can see he's very positive, charismatic, big smile on his face all the time. You know, he, he's been on three different teams. We've got, or, you know, now he's on his third different team. But we've heard kind of the same thing about him with each of those teams. And Matt rule kind of just said once again, what he believes is, is a part of, of Teddy Bridgewater, which is, you know, guys follow him. He's got you know, the ability to lead in a locker room. There is something about him. He has a charismatic nature about him that guys gravitate towards. 
And we heard that in Minnesota, and Mike Zimmer loved him, and we know the Saints loved him too. So from that aspect, again, that's part of being a quarterback is getting people to to you know jump on and lead the lead the the group of men. And I do think Teddy Bridgewater has that down pat. Now, as far as playing the game, he's got that down too. He knows how to play the game. You know, I had a hard time ranking Teddy Bridgewater for a few reasons. You know, I almost put Gardner Minshew in front of him because I do think Teddy Bridgewater is a little bit of a game manager. I do think Teddy Bridgewater at times will leave yards to be had on the field. And I'll go, man, there was a 20-yard completion to be had, but he took the five-yard completion. That's okay. I mean, that's the way he plays. He's a little bit conservative by nature that way. But he's accurate, he's smart, and he rarely puts his team in a bad position. And that's why he wins a lot of football games that way. And that's why I think between that and his experience, I just give him the edge over a guy, Gardner Minshew, who I think really probably has a little bit more talent and playmaking ability. But Bridgewater, the experience and all the other things we just talked about, I think give him the slight edge in my eyes. And that's why he's at number 29. How do we properly give credit for what happened last year with Bridgewater? 5-0 5-0 as a starter while Drew Brees was recovering from a thumb injury, suffered week two in L.A. against the Rams. But it's Sean Payton's offense. It's weapons like Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, although Kamara was a little banged up last year. But it's a system that is conducive to quarterbacks right. being successful if you know how to run the system. And Sean Payton knows how to create opportunities for the quarterback to showcase his skills, easy completions, build confidence, and off you go. Would, would Teddy Bridgewater have done anything close to what he did last year? Would he have been able to set himself up for what he has now in Carolina if, if he'd been thrust into the fray for five games with any other coach? Well, I don't know if it would look the way it did you know, last year with New Orleans, Mike, and I think it's a very real aspect. I think it's a good question by you. I mean, yeah, of course, Sean Payton's special. He's going to make quarterbacks look better than they are. And – you know, I think when you really break down the five games in which it's, which Teddy Bridgewater played last year, you know, you look at it, right? He played the Seahawks, the Cowboys, the Buccaneers, the Jaguars, and the Bears. He really was a game manager in four out of five of those games. And Sean Payton really managed him and found a lot of easy completions and throws over the middle. You could see right here on this little graphic, average depth of target passing. Teddy Bridgewater threw the ball shorter than any quarterback in football last year with a minimum of 100 passes. So that speaks to it. But Sean Payton, hey, and the team they built there, they had a good defense. They could run the ball, the offensive line. You know, those were all part of the reason Teddy Bridgewater went 5-0 and and threw for 67-something percent and nine touchdowns, two interceptions. You know, you throw him in some other offenses in football? No, it wasn't going to look as pretty as that. There's no doubt about it. Bridgewater is not the type of guy that is going to carry a team and make a ton of explosive plays with his talent. But you put a system around him and, you know, some guys who can make plays, he knows how to distribute the ball. He's accurate. He's a good athlete. He's not a great athlete, but he can move outside the pocket, make some throws on the run and go scramble and get four and five yards every now and then. So he has all those type of things to move the chains and help your team get wins. It's just going to be about, can he make those game-changing difference type plays you know when you're playing really high end competition and i think that's the big question to me about teddy bridgewater let's pop that graphic back up there with the average depth of of target because uh teddy bridgewater at number one and there's number four tied with drew Locke is drew Brees. 
So right. it's it's a characteristic of the offense, Chris. And and as we project what Teddy Bridgewater will be in Carolina in the Matt Rule offense, it's the Joe Brady offense. And Joe Brady worked with the Saints. He worked right. with Sean Payton. It could be a lot of the same damn thing that we've seen out of out of New Orleans for the past ten plus years. A hundred percent. That that's right. I mean, you're just going to see a, a you know, I, for lack of a better phrase, a dumbed down version because I don't think Joe Brady can run the offense like Sean Payton can quite yet. With, with all due respect to Joe Brady, but yes, you know, I think you're going to see an offense that's built around getting DJ Moore and their tight ends and Curtis Samuel and, and Christian McCaffrey, the ball somewhere between five and 10 yards down the field, right in the middle of the field. That's what they do. They expose you that way. Hey, and you bring up that graphic there. You know, you look at it, it was Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Those are all guys that, you know, Sean Payton, John Gruden, they all, they're, it's all a similar type offense. They know how to expose that second level of a defense and really stress linebackers out and create space there. And because of that, hey, Teddy Bridgewater's got a quick release. He's smart. He knows where to go with the football. And then, of course, he is incredibly accurate to where he is made to make that type of throw and, and play within that type of offense. And if nothing's there, hey, like I said, he'll scramble and make a, you know, make a play that way too. Uh, but he's not going to make game-changing throws and 50-yard lasers and things like that. No, that's not his game. He needs a system. He needs some people around him. And when he has that, he can execute and help you win football games. What do we think of the weapons in Carolina that Teddy Bridgewater will have at his disposal? There's no Michael Thomas, but there no. is Christian McCaffrey. You mentioned him. The receivers are headlined by guys like DJ Moore, newcomer Robbie Anderson, who many thought right. would just stay with the Jets. He signed with the Panthers. Curtis Samuel, Farrell Cooper, Seth Roberts. Uh, you know, this is something that I think they can work with, right? I this agree. Is something that, that could end up that could end up helping Teddy Bridgewater flourish. Well, a hundred percent. You know, I, I look at it, and you're right. I mean, first off, McCaffrey's going to be the Alvin Kamara, right? They're going to have a million different ways to get him the ball in the run game and the pass game. DJ Moore is a superstar in the NFL. He is already in the conversation for one of the ten best receivers in the sport. You know, again, Carolina is not a big time team the last two years, so you don't hear about him. But he's one of those guys I put on everybody's radar this year to go watch out because you see Michael Thomas can get 140 catches in that offense. DJ Moore is going to get over 100 receptions this year for that Carolina team and be in the Pro Bowl. He's he's special. He really is. And then I do like the Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson uh, combination across from DJ Moore. So you think about that, Mike, and we always talk about, right? Good offenses make you defend the whole field. They got guys, Ian Thomas at tight end. He can work the middle of the field. They got a lot of guys that can stress you in different areas of the field. And as long as Teddy Bridgewater can deliver the ball and stay aggressive, Mike, if he can just be a little more aggressive as a thrower and a decision maker, I do think this offense could be dangerous and catch a lot of people by surprise this year. DJ Moore, proud member of the 20 or so top 10 receivers in the NFL. But I'm, I'm just, that, that always <laughs> You're happens. Funny. It always happens. But it always happens. Yeah. It happens at quarterback. He's top 10. He's top 10. He's top 10. Hey, how many top 10 do you have? 25. 25. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that's, but that's why we're ranking quarterbacks. That's why it, 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 it shows you where the lines are. It forces right. you to draw the lines. It and, does. Uh, let's, let's do this while we're on the topic by popular demand because some folks are kind of catching this list on the fly and I've gotten questions already today. Well, what, where's the whole list? What's the whole list look like? And when I've been posting every single video at profootballtalk.com 
of 40, 39, 38, all the way up. Do we have the list of where we are so far? The names are beginning to fill up. It is coming soon. I am just going to continue to talk while we wait for the keep, graphic. Keep to show doing up. it. Some, and there, and there it is. There it is, right on time. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa got us started at number forty. Dwayne Haskins thirty-nine. Mitchell Trubisky thirty-eight. Justin Herbert, Taysom Hill, Jarrett Stidham, Tyrod Taylor, Jameis Winston, Case Keenum, Nick Foles, Gardner Minshew, Teddy Bridgewater. And you know, people think that only the starters should be at 32 or above. It's possible for starters to be below 32, and it's possible for backups to be at 32 or higher like we saw Case Keenum. Just because you're a starter doesn't mean you're one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the NFL. No, definitely not. You know, that's that's not right. That means nothing. And, you know, some of these young quarterbacks are better than some of these low-level starters that are in the NFL right now. It's just, hey, they need to get out there and play and do that. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, no, not not everybody has, you know, written in stone their 32 starters for the next four to five years. No, there's a number of teams who are, you know, in a trial period. And you're going to see with a lot of these quarterbacks that, yeah, I've already done or, you know, have coming up here uh, in the next few days as far as part of the rankings that, yeah, I mean, some of these guys are proven and, and played well, but have been relegated to backups. And, and then, of course, other guys are we're trying to see if they can solidify themselves as a starter. Um, but this is a big year for Teddy Bridgewater, and people believe he's a starter. And he's got a court, quarterback and a coaching staff that believes in him, and I'm interested to see if he can take it and run with it. And on this list, there's still one guy to come who currently isn't employed, I think. I have a feeling. I have a He's feeling that, that the guy whose job Teddy Bridgewater has taken will show up at some point on this list, even though he currently yeah, doesn't have a job. Yeah, not this week. We, it's it's, it's going to be a little while. As we rank quarterbacks, uh, let, let's, let's have a little fun here. You, you have told me in the past how – the look of the quarterback is so important that you'd, you know, as you would leave the locker room, you just do that one last check and make sure everything looked good. You need to look good in order to play well. And uh, how about some quarterback swag, some of the paraphernalia, some of the stuff that quarterbacks will have on. Um, and, and, and it's relevant to Teddy Bridgewater because of the gloves. Remember the gloves narrative? He did his pro day workout at Louisville. He took the gloves off, and he had a horrible pro day. Well, then he started doing private workouts, and he put the gloves back on, and he wowed the Minnesota Vikings, who ultimately would trade up to the number 32 spot to get Teddy Bridgewater. But, you know, the gloves, we see the different approaches. We see the the one glove. We see the two gloves. Where do the gloves fit for you on the overall list of of the stuff that we see on quarterbacks? I, I hate them. I hate them. I really do. You know, and yeah, Peyton Manning, he wore the glove towards the end of his career. But you know why? Because he wasn't a very good thrower anymore. So he needed help. You know, it's one of the things I question about Teddy How Bridgewater. How does the glove help? How does it well, help? Because How does it help? You put them on before. It's like the greatest grip in the history of the sport. And it can help you spin the football, which is where Teddy Bridgewater has issues. He can't throw spirals without the glove. So that's what happened to him in that pro day. And, you know, one, I just don't like the way it looks. I don't even like the, the glove on the off-throwing hand look like Brady wears. I'm not into that. You know, Eli Manning did that, too. I don't like that. That's not cool to me. So – and I think, honestly, a glove on the throwing hand is almost cheating to a degree. But I don't want to say it's cheating because it can be annoying throwing with that glove, too. It's hard to throw short passes with the glove, Mike. It sticks in your hand. So those little balls, like just say you wanted to flick the ball to Christian McCaffrey for four or five yards. You, you almost have to throw the ball differently with a glove than you do without it because the glove is so sticky 
that if you don't manipulate your hand and put it in a different way, the ball will come out funny and it won't go where you want it to go. And you know what? I may be remembering this incorrectly. I, I, as I, as I run that through my brain now, I almost think I have an image of Teddy Bridgewater with more of a follow through on a little short pass than you would think is necessary. Maybe Definitely. I'm wrong. Am I wrong? No. That there's more of no. a wind up and more of a throw for what is a fairly short pass. No doubt about it, because you know he has to almost get underneath it, right? Because if you if you really cup the ball or get over here like this, it will stick in that glove. So. Kurt Warner, I've heard him talk about it too because he hurt his thumb and then he wore that glove for a long time to where he had to drop his arm and his elbow down for those short throws because when you do want to flick it, you know, it's hard to get out of your hand that way. So, yeah, I think Teddy Bridgewater, yes, there's a little bit more of a motion that way or whatever you want to say uh, on those short throws, I think because of the glove and he's got to find a way to manipulate that ball and get it out of his hand. But not a fan of it. I don't like the ball. Uh, I don't like it. And that's why I don't think you see a lot of quarterbacks, especially the great ones, wear them, Mike. You know, you don't have feel for the ball. You know, I understand in bad weather you have to put it on every now and then. But, you know, I'm one that likes to feel it in my fingertips. And it just gives you a better gauge of what type of ball you need to throw. So so what did you do then with no gloves? What did you do to both keep your hand warm and or keep the sweat off of your hand? You're already dealing with the the whole. There you go. Tampa Bay Climate Center's rear end issue. Uh, wait a minute. Where did the Buccaneers play that you needed to have the hand warmer? Uh, it, it, looks, I, it looks like the, with short sleeves on. With short sleeves. You, you've got short sleeves, but you've got your, your little fanny pack there to keep your hands warm. That makes no sense, Chris. Well, you know, I need, I need to keep my hands warm because I want to be able to throw the football. And, like, you know, to what you're saying, a lot of this – blowing into your hand to create moisture, licking your hand, whatever it may be. If it was too sweaty, I wore that towel there that you saw, you know, in the front of my uniform to just dab my hands, right as you're saying, the snap count, whatever, to dry it off. But, you know, Mike, hey, this is part of being a quarterback too. That game right there was in Carolina, 2005, early December. You know, we're fighting for the lead of the NFC South. You know, we had issues playing in the cold weather. Tampa was known for that. Gruden would love that I was the quarterback and I would go out there with no sleeves and do stuff like that. But I just need to have something in my hands to keep a little moisture and warmth there. So that's what I did. But as a quarterback, sometimes you need to set the attitude. And that's the uh, we had Carolina and New England that year. So I got a double whammy of no sleeves and putting my hands in the the little uh, little muff hand muff there. So so what happened in those games? Uh, Let's see. We beat Carolina in a big game. Uh, Jake Del Ohm and Julius Peppers and company there to take the lead in the NFC South. New England game, we've talked about many a times. Brady, Belichick, Richard Seymour, Vince Wilfork, they taught me a lesson I'll never forget. Okay, yeah, we, 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 lost, we lost 27 to nothing, and it was closer than that. But, you know, as I've told you many a times, I took a you beating in that game. you say it was closer than that? Did you say it was it, closer it, than 27 to nothing? Well, it was. It was a close 27 nothing. <laughs> you know, we were – oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Either way, they kicked our butt, and that's when I realized we weren't as good as the New England Patriots. And I'll, I'll never forget it, though. Just, hey, that was an honor that day to be on the field with a guy like Tom Brady and watch him work his magic and the way he leaded his team and, and everything about it. And, man, that New England team, Mike, they were so big and physical – uh, I know I've told the stories, but that was about as beat up as I ever was in the history of my career. It was a short career, but I was sore before that game was over. 
Did you say the way he leaded his team? Did you really say I think I did. did. I think I did. I think yes, did. I did. I'm pretty sure I did. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, um, but but in Tampa Bay, you wore the pewter, you wore the red. They're back to those uniforms, uh, thank God, because the most recent one's not great. But but you had the burnt orange in college and white, a whole lot of white, as the case may be. Uh, oh, baby. A, 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 lo- a lot of white. That is a lot of white, uh, Stay a Puff Marshmallow Man. Got to have, I got the wristbands, the white sleeves, the white socks. I mean, you know, I had a lot of great plays in college football. When I left Texas, I was the second winningest quarterback ever. And, and we got to show me getting sacked by Roy Williams in Oklahoma game. Can we? I thought that I was mean, Roy Williams. I thought that was him. A, we could I mean, we could have shown the video of Roy Williams jumping over the line and uh, taking the ball out of your hands. <laughs> right. Well, maybe I'm we will. Maybe if not. I talk about it long enough, it will eventually show up just like pass interference in the Viking Cowboys 1975 playoff game, which shows up. I mean, that thing shows up like that. All I have to do is think about it, and it shows oh, up. Oh, they always got that ready. There's no doubt. Fortunately, it's not showing up today. What would you be, Mike? Would you be wearing gloves? Would you be wearing wristbands? How would Mike Florio, the QB, look? I, 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 I've never tried to throw with gloves on. I, I would just go ahead and be. Now, now that I don't need gloves, because you know why? I learned the shoulder trick. Chris Sims taught me. <laughs> Point your shoulder in the direction where you're trying to throw. You don't need gloves. You don't need anything. Uh, just give me a helmet. And uh, and uh, I'd probably want a towel in the event that uh, you know there is a little uh, a little swamp butt going on in Tampa. If I'm there, in the it is. What Roger, the See, Roger. You had to Roger. ask me the question. We don't have the B-roll of Chris Sims being blown up by Roy Williams, which is at least relevant to the program. But here comes 1975 pass interference with two views. With two views to just rub it into me. That Nate Wright was not, this is not the technique, dive forward and fall. They were, Bud Grant was not teaching that in 1975 or at any time. Thank you very much. Let's look take a how break. Cool, look have, how cool Roger looked with the wristbands and the towel, too. It yeah. was perfect. It was a yeah. perfect segue. We're going to have a draft inspired by Teddy Bridgewater, former Vikings quarterback, coming up later in the program. But next, we're going to look back at the 2019 class. A few other guys, what is their floor? What is their ceiling to finish the conversation we started earlier in the program? We'll be back with more PFT Live right after this. Twenty nineteen class of quarterbacks. We talked earlier in the program about Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, the three first round picks, and all three saw some playing time last year with Murray being the NFL's offensive rookie of the year. Let's move on to Drew Locke, Chris. He's a guy that you and I both believed in. And one of the reasons I believed in him is because you were so so uh, sure of his abilities, that dynamic that we often see where if a quarterback had left a year earlier when the team was better, he would have been drafted higher. Isn't that amazing that that becomes a factor in the evaluation of the quarterback? The team isn't good as last year, so he falls down the board because of it, even though it's the same damn guy. But uh, that's good for the Broncos. They didn't have to use a first-round pick on him. They traded down from number 10 with the Steelers. They didn't take him in the lower spot in round one. They were able to get him at number 42. And now, after after plenty of swings and misses by John Elway, he's got a quarterback they can build around. And I think the, the ceiling for Drew Locke is Pro Bowl this year yeah. based upon what we saw at the end of last season. I, I, Mike, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I think, you know, I don't know if I'll go as strong to say Pro Bowl, but I think Pro Bowl votes are in that conversation. You know, it, it got a game that you know reminds me of Matt Stafford in a lot of way. The guy can, he can really, the ball pops out of his hands. This is an explosive arm. And he can throw the ball a lot of different ways, off his back foot, side arm, 
you know, on the run, whatever it may be. So I, I do think he is a guy that could be one of those names, like as far as the ceiling's concerned, where we're going, man, Drew Locke is, he's a superstar on the rise. Watch out for this kid. He, you know, has the potential to be in my top 10 next year in, in the quarterback rankings, all those type of things. Ceiling, you know, I, I mean, the floor, Mike, I don't know. Where are you out on the floor? The floor conversation, I go like, Okay, a lot of turnovers. I don't think he's going to get benched or anything like that, but maybe careless with the ball and has a year where he throws 23 touchdowns and 18 interceptions, and maybe they lose a game or, or a few games because of his carelessness. That's, to me, where I see the floor. Or if he just doesn't mess with Pat Shermer, right? I mean, Pat Shermer did a great job as offensive coordinator in Minnesota, good enough to become the head coach of the Giants. It lasted just a couple of years, just like his previous stint as a head coach with the Browns. And and one of the things that resonates with me about Pat Shermer, Mike Holmgren, who hired him to be the coach in Cleveland, gives Pat Shermer a hard time for being too intense. Mike Holmgren, of all people, one of the most intense coaches that, that has ever patrolled a sideline, thinks Pat Shermer needs to lighten up Francis. So uh, you, you know, that that's just, you know, if we're trying to find – Things that we can can point to where it can go off the rails. I mean, if Shermer and Locke just don't mesh, that's one of the things that could cause it to not work. And and then maybe Locke regresses over that 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 brilliance. Uh, yeah, brilliance maybe right. too strong. But what what we saw we saw a guy. We saw who, a lot of positive. The Texans yeah. when they beat the Texans, that was so remarkable. The Texans are a playoff team, and they went in there and they. The Texans and he was having fun. He was doing the Buzz Lightyear thing. It was just a joy that we don't often see from quarterbacks. It, it just—it's the kind of thing you want to see. And uh, and so yeah, I, I expect to see more of that this year. I hope to see yeah. more of that this year. The Broncos fans deserve that after some down years. But uh, you know, one of the things that could cause it to go haywire is if he and Shermer just don't see eye to eye. Yeah, I know you're right, and uh, I would be shocked if that happened. You know, first off, I'm a fan of the Pat Shermer offense. I am. And then, you know, I know we've talked about this a lot, but Mike Munchak being the offensive, uh, offensive line coach there. And then, hey, just like we've talked about with any of these guys, Mike, and that's why I think we put Drew Locke maybe in the Pro Bowl conversation when we talk about the ceiling, is he's got a support system. You know, they're fixing the offensive line. It's Melvin Gordon and Phil Lindsay at running back. You know, it's Jerry Judy and Sutton and K.J. Hamler and Noah Fant as your receivers or, or targets to throw the football to. So, you know, again, I would not be shocked if we walked away from this year and went, man, Denver got it into the wild card playoffs. Drew Locke was statistically one of the best quarterbacks in football and, you know, was throwing close to 5,000 yards or something like that. I wouldn't be shocked to see any of that type of stuff this year. He has that type of talent. I think the coaching is good. And then, of course, the talent on the field is good to where I think they can win some football games and be dangerous in the AFC. The wild card in all of this is Jarrett Stidham, a guy who didn't play much, if at all, last year in the regular season, maybe just a cameo appearance. We, we did the breakdown last week based upon preseason game against the Giants. What is the ceiling and the floor for the one guy that we'll be talking about on this list that, that didn't do enough last year in the regular season for us to even have a basis for deciding no. how good or bad he could be? No, you're right. I, I mean, though, another guy that just he's just like Drew Locke, Mike, just like you talked about with Drew Locke. If he leaves two years earlier, you know, the same year we talked about Drew Locke leaving, Jared Stidham's going to be one of the top 40 picks of the draft. I have no doubt about that. But Auburn fell apart and then we all blamed Jared Stidham and then he fell down the draft boards because of that, which is just so stupid. But, you know, uh, 
Again, I don't know if New England's offense has the capability or the personnel right now to be like really, really explosive and, you know, take take the NFL by storm, but points and yards and all of that. So I think the way I look at the ceiling of Jared Stidham is him being a starting playoff quarterback. I think that's very capable where, yes, he's not blowing us out of the water, but we go, oh, man, guy keeps making big throws and big moments. They keep winning games. You know, yeah, it might not be through 350 yards and three touchdowns. It might be a lot of like, you know, Tom Brady early career type games where you go, hey, he was 17 for 25 for 225 yards and two touchdowns and no interceptions. And they won the football game. And when he needed to make big throws, he did it. I think that's how I look at the ceiling with Jared Siddham. What about you? Yeah, I mean, the ceiling is the, the, he steps right in and runs the offense and uh, you know, if you kind of blur your eyes a little bit, it kind of looks like Tom Brady back there. Now, we right. saw last week a, a degree of mobility, a level of speed that Tom Brady has never possessed if if and when Jared Stidham has to get out of the pocket and run the ball. Um, and, and as you've said, the arm isn't as strong as Brady's was, but if he can run the offense, I mean, this is going to be the real test. And, and this is going to be the theme all year long. Is it Brady without Belichick? Is it Belichick without Brady? What can Belichick and Josh McDaniels do with Jared Stidham to turn him into a quarterback that can make the Patriots competitive in their division? And with that extra playoff berth now available in each conference, can they at least be the number seven seed? It's been a long time since they haven't made the playoffs. The last time that happened was the year they lost Tom Brady week one. They still went 11-5 and with Matt Castle, but they didn't make it to the postseason. The difference this time, they've got months to get ready to right. go without Tom Brady. Last time around, it happened week one of the regular season. This time, it happened first day of free agency. So uh, they can't say they weren't ready, Chris, and they can't say they didn't have opportunities because still no. one of those guys is out there, the guy that's not that's not on a team who will be unveiled very high on your list of the top quarterbacks in the NFL is available. If they wanted him, they could find a way to get Cam Newton. They're deliberately choosing to shy away from him and embracing Jared Stidham. So it tells me they believe in Stidham, which tells yes. me that the ceiling, the ceiling is the Patriots just the train just keeps on rolling. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And, you know, and, and, and again, I've had a lot of people, you know, Jared Stidham, I had him in my 30s as far as the quarterback rankings. I had a lot of people ask me, like, hey, who the, who's the guy in the 30s that you, could think, you think can make the biggest jump, you know, from this year to next year? And Jared Stidham's the guy that jumps out to me. Again, you know, you, you saw some of the plays we, we watched last week in preseason football, and you watched them last year in the preseason to begin with anyways. You know, the kid's got talent. He really does. He can do it all on the football field. And he's a really good down-the-field thrower, and he can make plays when nothing's there to be had. You know, so, hey, this is, uh, this is plan A for New England. They believe in Stidham. And don't be shocked if he's the, still the quarterback seven or eight years from now. I think that's how they see this unfolding. You know, the offensive line's got to play better. We know that. But they got Marquise Lee in free agency, Demir Bird, Nikhil Harry. They need him to show up as a first-round pick. Still got Julian Edelman. So there's a decent support system there for him to make things happen. And I think we'll, they'll play for their, through their defense. What do you think the floor is? I mean, the floor, I guess, is it just it's roughy, rough and Brian Hoyer ended up the, coming the, in. The to, floor is the bench. The floor is the right. bench. Right. right? That, that It's just not working. And Bill Belichick is not going to take all season to admit it. If it's not working, it's not working. And in comes Brian yeah. Hoyer, period. So he won't exactly. hesitate. He will, will not hesitate. And that's how he's always been. You, you earn your way onto the field. 
and you earn your ability to stay on the field. And if you're not earning it, we're going to find somebody else. We've got somebody else. We've got Brian Hoyer, and he comes. Real quickly, real quickly, Gardner Minshew. Nobody expects anything out of the Jaguars this year. This is an ideal scenario. The bar is as low as it can be for Minshew and the Jaguars. So, I mean, the floor is they live up to everyone's expectation that they're going to be the worst team in the NFL. The ceiling is they could surprise a lot of people if it clicks. Yes. I mean, the ceiling is he could put up unbelievable numbers and they could be a really explosive offense and he could throw for 30 touchdowns and seven or eight interceptions. You know, we talked about earlier in the show, there's weapons there, you know, decent O-line, got some running backs. Jay Gruden's there. You know, he's capable of making some plays. There's no doubt about that. So, you know, I think the ceiling is just the continuation of Minchu mania and like, and I would say Pro Bowl votes, too. You know, it's hard to make the Pro Bowl in the AFC because there's kind of some good quarterbacks, you know, Lamar, Deshaun, Patrick Mahomes. But, you know, votes, possible, certainly. Yeah, floor is, okay, Gardner Minshew, you're not the guy, and we're going to be looking for a quarterback in the draft next year. That's kind of how I see it playing. But Gardner Minshew's got a chance to prove himself to be the guy for Jacksonville for a lot of years to come. All right, coming up in just a few minutes, our draft for this edition of PFT Live. Players due for a rejuvenation is inspired by what we saw from Teddy Bridgewater last year. We'll have that coming up on PFT Live momentarily. We'll be right back. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, Teddy Bridgewater rejuvenates his career last year, moving up to number 29 on the Chris Sims quarterback countdown list by virtue of going 5-0. and oh. So, players due for a rejuvenation in 2020 is the topic of today's draft. Chris has a two-part trivia question for me. I guess I have to get both parts right in order to get the first pick. Is that what you're saying? Is that what you're saying? I guess. I don't, I don't know. I didn't make these rules. You're right. What are we going to do if you get one right and one wrong? I don't know. We'll figure it out. Tie goes to me, I guess, is what I would say. Okay, so Louisville is the theme because of Teddy Bridgewater, all right? But name the Louisville quarterback in the Hall of Fame. That's the first part. Let's go there. Johnny Unitas. 
Okay, that was easy. That was almost as easy as what color is blue. Okay. No, now. it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. You wouldn't have known it. <laughs> of course I would have. All right. And then who was the last QB drafted before me in 2003? Can you Dave remember? Ragone He's from Louisville. Thank you. Dave there you go. Dave All right. Way Thank to go. Got to go. Yep. I think All right. I you the got the first pick, Before you, better than you know those guys. I got to go with Cam <laughs> Newton. It's got to be Cam Newton. I mean, we saw two games from him last year when he had no business playing with the injured foot that he suffered in the preseason. We still haven't seen how this new throwing motion that he debuted last year that has kind of gotten forgotten in this haze of what's up with his foot. He's unemployed. He's waiting. Um, and, and it would be a rejuvenation of his career if he comes back and if he plays. And I think if he does and if he's healthy, we will see a Cam Newton that will make plenty of coaches and general managers and owners say, what the hell were we thinking? Remember, there was a point last year, once it became obvious Lamar Jackson was a great player, there was a report from Jake Lazer the general managers were scouring over draft notes to see who in the building saw something special in Lamar Jackson and who didn't. There's going to be a lot of people answering some tough questions if Cam Newton comes back and plays the way I think he's going to play. And the questions are going to be, why in the hell did we not sign this guy when we could, Chris? So, uh, And I know the under – look, you can't do a physical. It's a leap of faith. you got to have a plan. Yeah, I you got don't want to get burned. But I think at the end of the day, we're going to see Newton play for somebody, and I think he's going to play well. And uh, – I, yeah. I suspect he's motivated dramatically to do that. Well, I, I would think so. And, I mean, you're right in picking him for a player that's due for career rejuvenation, rejuvenation excuse me. But, yeah, I think uh, the big thing is just where does that happen? And I, I still don't know. And, and you're right, though. I think that if he does get a chance to get on the field, watch out. He's going to explode because he's he's got to be pissed off as a competitor right now that he doesn't have a seat at the table. The guy that was the MVP of football just four years ago, kind of insane. Um, all right, good pick by uh, and you. No, and, let, and let's just say this. Let me say this. Yeah. It's got to be an injury at this point unless things completely go sideways for the Cowboys and they say enough with Dak Prescott and they rescind the franchise tender, which they've already said they're not going to do, right? But unless something happens, they don't get a deal done by July 15, they get exasperated and they say, screw it, we're going to go get Cam Newton. It's got to be an injury. But uh, anyway, yeah. go ahead. right. No, I agree. And all right, well, while we're talking about injury, I'm going to go with Todd Gurley. I think he's a player due for a career reju rejuvenation. I have a hard time saying rejuvenation, but I'm going to continue to practice it here. But either way, Gurley, I mean, do I expect him to be the best running back in football? No. Do I expect him to be motivated and better and healthier than where he was last year? And then do I think the Atlanta Falcons will – use him more than the Los Angeles Rams because they're a little bit of a team that's desperate too, as far as, you know, the head coach and everything like that. But I think Todd Gurley is going to be highly motivated by the fact that the Rams released him. It came out of nowhere. We're all questioning the status of his knee and how good he is. The Rams still haven't paid him his damn money. They owe him and all that. That's like a head scratcher to me. I don't understand that, but you know, I think it's a great fit for Todd Gurley in Atlanta, too, because it's an offense that is not going to need him to carry the, you know, carry the load on a play-by-play -play basis. Matt Ryan's still a phenomenal player. They got good receivers, and they got a good tight end who they traded for in Hayden Hurst. So uh, I think Gurley's got a better support system around him and an offensive line that's honestly better than the Rams, too. So I think he's going to show some people this year. <clears throat> as you As you practice the – 
term rejuvenation, keep in mind, Todd Gurley once leaded the NFL in rushing. So uh, He did lead it. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I got to go Matthew Stafford. I thought that's where you would go. Matthew Stafford, after what we saw last year with the broken bones in his back that derailed his season, all the talk about is he done in Detroit. There was chatter that they were trying to trade him earlier this year. Ultimately, nothing came of that. But there is a sense that, that, that this could be it for Matthew Stafford. Selling the house in the Detroit area. Now his wife, Kelly, had an explanation for that. We saw a quarterback sell his house locally in Boston last year. And what did that lead to? So there's a lot of questions about the future of Matthew Stafford. He's only 32. That's spring chicken as far as quarterbacks in today's NFL are concerned. He's got a lot more time to still play in the NFL, and he has compiled a lot of yardage, a lot of touchdowns, just not a lot of victories, not a lot of playoff appearances. But uh, he's due. The Lions are due. Stafford is due. So he's my next pick. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I actually didn't – you know, it's it's not a bad pick by you. I think there's better ones out there, that's for sure. All right, then pick Uh, one. Pick one. I am. I I want – I want to crap on one of yours for once. You always like to do it to me. Let me do it. Let me enjoy you it. You didn't okay? even think. You you have no opportunity to crap on Matthew Stafford because he wasn't even on your radar screen. I know by no, the way he, that you articulate the words. I, I know by your demeanor. You're like, man, I should have thought of Matthew Stafford. I, if you listen to me, I already said I didn't have him on my list. Okay? Start exactly. listening to me and stop texting. Exactly. <laughs> okay? I'm not texting. All right. So here is somebody that is in desperate need of career rejuvenation. Like – this is a year, like a career-defining year. Le'Veon Bell, New York Jets. I mean, this is it. Le'Veon Bell, if he doesn't have a good year this year, nobody's going to pay him big money in 2021. I mean, he might have a hard time finding a spot as being a, a, a starting running back. But, hey, when you don't play for a year in Pittsburgh and then you come back and with the New York Jets and have a very underwhelming year and the offense isn't good and – You know, just the statistics don't look good either to go along with the play and all of that. Uh, This is a huge year for Le'Veon Bell. It is. I mean, come on. We've heard the rumors that the Jets dangled him out there as far as trade bait last offseason. Le'Veon Bell acknowledged that himself. But, yeah, I mean, one, the Jets got to help Le'Veon Bell more. There's no doubt about that. Uh, And, two, hey, Le'Veon Bell, he's going to have to make some plays this year. And he's going to have to let – let it be known that he's got a definitive role on this offense, but this is a huge year for Le'Veon Bell in his career. Well, and I agree with you. Now I addressed something in a PFT mailbag on Sunday about the way the Jets use Le'Veon Bell, and we don't have time to get into all the details, but here's the bottom line in Pittsburgh. They had the offense. The running back is the cherry on top of an offense that you already have. The Jets didn't have the offense. They were putting a cherry on top of a pile of something other than ice cream in New York. That's one of the reasons why it didn't work. You got to have the offensive line. You got to have the quarterback, got to have the receivers. All right. Next one for me, I was torn between Jimmy Graham and Eric Ebron. I'm going to go with Eric Ebron because we already saw him kind of rejuvenate once with Indianapolis. And then it fell off last year for whatever reason. I think in Pittsburgh with a healthy Ben Roethlisberger, we're going to see an Eric Ebron that is going to remind us of the guy who had the big year with the Colts and remind us of the guy who got drafted before Aaron Donald and Odo Beckham Jr. Chris. Well, I mean, it certainly was a fall off last year as compared to what he had done the year before in in Indianapolis and the statistical year. He's in a spot where, hey, the quarterback, he likes to stand in the pocket and throw the ball down the middle of the field. So Eric Ebron should get a lot of touches in this Pittsburgh 
uh, offense. There's no doubt. Honestly, when when I first heard you say Pittsburgh, I thought you were going to go with Juju Smith-Schuster too because I think he's a guy that you could probably throw in this draft. He's on my list. I'm not going to pick him because I think there's ones that are better. But uh, that you know, hey, we could put Big Ben. Eric Ebron and Juju Smith-Schuster uh, Smith in there for, for career rejuvenation. I'm going to go with my last pick to seal the deal here for the win for the best draft of uh, career rejuvenations, David Johnson. David Johnson, this is he needs to rejuvenate his career for his sake, for Billy O'Brien's sake, for Deshaun Watson's sake. Uh, but, you know, of course, there was a lot of scrutiny. Trading DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson. What the hell has he done the last few years? Yeah, it wasn't a good year last year. He's been banged up a lot over the last few years. So he is going to have a microscope on him this year in Houston. And he better have a definitive role as far as running the football and catching the ball out of the backfield. Or they're going to be scrutinized and people are going to talk crap about Billy O'Brien, the GM, and everything about it. And they're going to write David Johnson off. So this is a huge year for him. And I think he's in an offense and has a team around him to to really help him succeed. Whatever he does this year, what a coup for the Cardinals to unload the guaranteed salary for 2020 that they were not getting out of to include him in the package for DeAndre Hopkins and to emerge with Hopkins and get rid of a guy that they just didn't want. They had already committed to Kenyon Drake. It's amazing to me that, uh, that they were able to avoid that. I thought they were going to have to do one of those trades where – you you send the contract and you have to send a draft pick like the Brock yeah, Osweiler right. deal to unload David right. Johnson. So good for the Cardinals and good for David Johnson if he turns it around. All right, that's it for the draft. We're going to take a look at Peter King's offseason power rankings when PFT Live continues right after this. Check out the new Football Morning in America for Peter King's offseason power rankings. And there are some surprises. How about the Buccaneers at number five? Are you kidding me? Peter, what have you been drinking? Oh, he drinks beer. Maybe he had a lot of beer when he put this together. Raiders at number eight. That one's even worse, Chris Sims. Raiders at number eight. Wow. That's a lot of belief in a team that hasn't done all that much and that is in the toughest division in football. I, I It is. And, then, you know, I'm just sitting here digesting the list. And I, I can't believe I'm looking at the Patriots at 21, the Texans at 22. Uh, I'm not so sure I agree with all of those. But Peter King was pretty good last year. So we'll see where he ends up this year. And we'll be back with more right after this. So Rob Gronkowski had been the WWE 24-7 champion until Ron Killings disguised as a gardener. And then there was a WWE referee disguised as a videographer. See, there has to be a referee present. You can lose the belt at any time. That is so bad. Look at Gronk shaking his legs like he's really trying to get out of that pin. Get out of here with this crap. You got to go see the video, Chris. It is the worst acting I've ever seen in my life. It is horrible. It's so bad. It's good. Well, I, I then I, I'm not really that excited to watch the video, but I might have to check it out. I, I'm not going to lie. The one thing that jumps out to me more than anything there is I look at Gronk's body still and go, it looks thin to me. I'm sorry. I can't get out of scout mode or coach mode, but I'm just looking at him going, I don't think he's 260 pounds yet. I think he might have lied to us. I think he's a little farther away than that. But either way, he doesn't have the belt. He's going to have to earn it back. More likely he's in the Pro Bowl or he gets his belt back next year at this time. Pro Bowl all the way. I don't. Yeah. I think he's going to play two more years. All right, that's it for today's PFT Live. We'll see everybody on Wednesday. Have a great day. See ya.
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.